Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about being addicted to being busy. Hmm, addicted. I like the strength of that word. <laughs> yeah. So it's not uncommon for me to work with people to decrease the amount of labor that they sell to their clients. So it's it's pretty common that people who work with me are trading time for money, billing for their time, and they're used to staying busy because that's how they make money. They're, you know, they need to be on the clock in order to make money. And uh, when we shift away from that, it can create a weird outcome or a weird side effect, which is that they're, they're kind of addicted to being busy and they aren't, they feel like if they're not doing client work or working, you know, like toiling, I almost want to say. Yeah, actually, I think toil is the right word here. Yeah, like slogging away, then something's wrong. And it's very difficult, or it can be very difficult for some people to uh, sort of, for their behavior to catch up with the mindset shift of not trading time for money, where they're, they're used to, they need to be busy all the time because that's how they pay their bills. And then all of a sudden when that's not connected anymore, they don't need to be busy all the time. And it's like, well, but I, I feel lazy or I feel like something's wrong. It's just, it's kind of like an addiction. Well, there's also in the scenario you just described, there's guilt. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I hear that a lot. Like, wait a minute. I just raised my rates and so I've got less work. I'm making more money. Something's wrong with this picture. I feel guilty. I should be doing something right now. Yeah. Like that's definitely true. There's also another deep set emotional one which is that there's this identity as a hard-working person mm-hmm. and a, a fair day's pay for honest work and it's like yeah and it, it's similar to the guilt thing but it goes i think goes back even farther to like upbringing and mm-hmm. you know protestant work ethic potentially things like that so you know idle hands so forth <laughs> um but so the the so anyway that's what we wanted to talk about today and and then some of the the i think there's even uh, other problems or, or challenges that can arise once you break that addiction to busyness and you actually get productive instead of just busy and you're producing better output with less input. So in other words, you've created leverage. Like this is what creating leverage feels like. You're not as busy because mm-hmm. you're producing more output with less input. So it's like, oh, wow. But then the, the new problem arises, which is what do I do with all this free time? Yeah, and isn't that a great problem to have? Yeah, it is, but it's a problem. (laughs) You need to to decide what you're going to do at the time. But anyway, before we get ahead of ourselves. Well, yeah, because I think the starting point of all this is your mindset. I mean, I have a friend who, and she says it as a joke, but I really believe this is true. She said, my family hauled rocks on vacation, so I need to have something to do with myself. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you win. That trumps everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's sometimes this feeling of needing to be physically and intellectually busy. Right. And, you know, I don't know if I, I kind of want to limit this to work hours because there's also the outside of work hours that, you know, people people have their hobbies and not I don't think either one of us is saying there's anything wrong with that. Like, right. You don't want to just sit on sit around and We're, stare at the wall. That's not the goal. No, let's talk work. Yes. Yeah, so, so from a work standpoint. I'm thinking of a story where I had had a student who it's, it just happened more than once, honestly, uh, 
couple of students over over time, including me, come to think of it, I had one of these where I had a, a client that was just really, really not a good fit. They were demanding micromanagers, uh, the, uh, talking down, not, no respect, all of that sort of stuff, like tr- treating you like a, a badly respected employee, really. Yeah. Ugh. And yeah, very just always throwing stuff at you, not appreciating the, yeah, the not things that you do. You. Yeah, exactly. When you sort of jump in and and put out the fires that they started through their inaction or foolishness, and it's like okay, and they just keep setting fires and expecting you. To, you know. <laughs> oh, I've never had any clients like that. No. <laughs> um, so, so what can happen is my advice these days is to just fire that client, even if you don't have money. Even if you don't have the money to do it and you think you're you're going to starve, I'd be like, fire them anyway, because the, the amount, because I know from experience, the amount of the, the world that will open up to you, the opportunity cost that will, that will, the, the opportunity value, the opposite of opportunity cost, the opportunity cost that you're throwing away, the time, the money, the the stress, all of that is just going down a toilet. And as soon as you fire them, it's going to flood back. Like all of the all of the, the the good parts of you that you're throwing away, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can think. I have space to go find better clients. Uh, really, it's like I can think, I can breathe, I can sleep. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, they were really dragging me down. They take up an outsized space in your head. Mm-hmm. And you've got somebody who's giving you the negative vibes all day long. Right. So, so what I've found, though, is that 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 reactive, this is a specific kind of business where the client is this sort of fire setter and and you are in this reactive mode where you really don't have to think. You don't have to be proactive because there's always going to be another all caps email that is demanding your attention. And there there's a certain comfort in that. It's kind of a twisted like a twisted symbiotic or codependent kind of thing but it's a particular kind of business that can be very difficult for some people to give up or walk away from even if they're even if they air quotes know I'm right uh, and even if it's not about the money there's still this like yeah but if I didn't have these you know these 20 emails to respond to every morning what would I do? What and that do? fear of the unknown can call, keep them trapped in this kind of busyness death spiral. Yeah, well, there's an argument to be made that that's what busyness is. It's a way to, and I'm talking about busyness that is not productive in some way or creative, um, but that it's really designed to take up space so that you don't have to think. Oh, that's it a keeps, good point. It keeps you from making decisions or facing decisions that you know you need to make because you get it's like that dopamine hit like crossing something off your list you get that even when if if it's a person you're dealing with they're just toxic Mm -hmm. you're still you're checking things off the list and you're kicking the can further down the road yeah it's a way to procrastinate Yeah. yeah yeah that's super interesting and that that explains why it comes up so not all the time in my coaching but a lot of times in coaching because the first thing I do with people in our kickoff call is define an objective. And even if people have had goals in the past, it's it, first of all, they usually don't. They're very abstract goals and they don't actually do anything to, to reach them. So this objective is very clear. It's measurable. 
and it's one of the first things we do. And once you have that, then I'm like, okay, what strategy are we going to use to achieve that objective? Like based on your skills, constraints, so on and so forth, what strategy we're going to use to get there. And then we'll come up with one that, that at least in theory seems possible, you know, so a strategy that would probably get them to whatever they want to go $10,000 a month recurring revenue or their first advisory retainer client or, you know, a, a, a proposal that's like double, you know, twice as high as they've ever sent and, and, you know, mm -hmm. getting the kind of income that comes from that. Once you have that, then the, when you, before you have that, it makes a lot harder to decide what you would do in the free time that would be, mm -hmm. that, right? So it kind of gets yep. back to that, like strategy is what helps you understand the difference between an opportunity and a distraction. So without any kind of objective and, and therefore an absence of strategy, everything seems like an opportunity. Anything that comes along is like, oh, this is a good thing to do. Or I should go down this, this YouTube rabbit hole to, you know, whatever learn view or learn some new thing about business or learn some new tactic about how I can, I don't know, keyword stuff my web pages to game, a, to, to game the SEO algorithm or like all these things that, that keep you really busy but don't really produce any results. But since you don't have a standard to say, um, did this work or didn't it? It's just a thing that you tried. You don't know if it got you any closer to your goal because you don't know what it is. So all of this busy work just rushes into the vacuum and oh, that's i never thought of busyness as procrastination but that makes tons of sense yeah well it's usually not conscious right and it's and we all do it in different ways right oh let me clean the sock drawer now before i sit down and <laughs> write that blog post right oh, we, sure. we, we look for the those kinds of things but the the it's insidious when the things we're doing make us feel like we're productive, like not the sock drawer necessarily, but, um, you know, doing an SEO search for keywords. You could feel really productive doing that when the time you spent on that could be so much better spent on something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday that that kind of proves it, it's, a, it's sort of a technique that you can use to prove to yourself how much unimportant stuff you're doing on a regular basis. And uh, she was a, she's a productivity coach I was talking to on Ditching Hourly, and she was talking about how sometimes you need to alter your environment. You know, it's a long story, but but the, the upshot of it was that she had a, a productivity student that she was working with who would go to a hotel room because, you know, everybody was working from home, and she would, she would go get a hotel room uh, once a week to do her work on the business stuff so that she was completely out of her environment. She was out of the office, so to speak, literally, and, and would, and, and that would, that would, anyway, that's how she shifted gears and, and kept herself focused on working on the business and not on client work on that one day a week. And that got me thinking about in the past, I used to travel a lot. I used to go to speak at conferences all the time or travel to uh, client sites occasionally. And what do you do? You tell everybody else, you know, I'm going to be traveling. I won't have access to email or whatever you, you would say. And guess what? Like the number of emails goes down, the, the, the number of fires go down, things somehow fix themselves, <laughs> you know, and it, it's like, well, wait a second. Why can't I kind of pretend I'm at a conference every week? Or 
how do how do you explain it? It's like there's all of this stuff that you think needs to get done until you're going to be on vacation or away, and and all this stuff somehow gets done anyway, or it turns out it didn't matter. It was like a below yes. the line of importance. So it's you're like just you're creating a construct, like it's artificial, but mm-hmm. you talk yourself into it. And you know, I've got a client who has written two books, working on a third, and he does the work at a Starbucks. And there's like two days a week, he'll go when he's, you know, in writing mode, he'll go for two to three hours and nobody disturbs him. It's his writing time. And he just blows and goes in that time frame. But he can't do it in the office and he can't even do it at home, even though there's nobody there. He needs that physical separation from the everyday and all the things that call to you yeah. when you're when you're in your home mm-hmm. or in your office. Right. And, so, and the way that, and again, to wrap that back to busyness, if you imagine a priority list and it's like the high priority stuff is at the top, um, there's some point at which you're going to run out of hours and there's like, I don't, let's just say 20 things on the list that you got to. And then there's a line below that line or the, you know, maybe 20 more things that you didn't get to. Your line might be too low. Like <laughs> you might be able to just move that line up five notches and just let all of that stuff disappear. Like, like I've said in the past, you know, if something's been on my to-do list for a week, I just delete it because I'm obviously not going to do it. I know a lot of people I talk to, there are things they do every day that are producing no results, yet they continue to do them. Mm-hmm. It's habit. That's, right. the, that's the dark side of habits. Yeah, bad habits, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, they're not bad habits necessarily, just not productive. I think I always think of bad habits like drinking, smoking, drugs, you know, that kind of stuff versus working on your business is a good habit, but you've got to pick the right things. Yeah, that's fair. To do. Mm. So what are some of those things, I guess? Like how do you, how does someone figure out for themselves what things are the things they should be doing? I, I mean, I think you said it earlier on. It's in my world, you've got to have a goal. Mm-hmm. And you know, one overarching goal, and it's usually about the business, depending on the, you know, the stage of the business you're at. And it, it might not be revenue based. You might, might your mm-hmm. revenue might be absolutely wonderful and you feel good about what you've got, but now you want to take your message to a bigger audience. So yeah. y- maybe your goal is all around getting more visible or building your authority or whatever, you know, whatever is important to you. Then you have to change some behaviors to do that. Right. So it's getting really clear on the overarching goal and then, you know, making that into a list of, well, a strategy that is comprised of a bunch of tactics. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to do to follow that strategy to meet my goal? And by literally putting that in front of you, whether that's on your computer, uh, on a piece of paper, you're going to look at that every single day day and you're going to get a better sense of what's working and we're talking tactics now about what's working and what's not so let's say you decide well i'm going to conquer twitter in the next three months and (laughs) so you you design your system and how you're going to do that and you keep tweaking it as you see what works and what doesn't and if you haven't conquered twitter then you're going to say hmm maybe that's not the strategy or gee it is getting traction just not as much as i thought maybe i need to give it another month or another 3 months right. it's that it's working that plan that allows you to really focus on what matters versus what just makes you feel busy right yeah i have a, a pretty much every year I, I kind of have a theme for the year and it's it is an objective 
It's like the thing that I want to accomplish in 2020 or 2021 or 2022. And here's, and it's always, it's always about getting the business to the next level, but it's kind of like the strategy for the year. So that, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, what does the next level look like? First of all, for me, the next level does not look like adding a zero to my income. It looks more like cutting the number of hours I work in a week in half. Like my goal is not to make more money, it's to work less. So, all right, so that's the, the longer term goal. And then, you know, based on whatever I learned last year, you know, around, you know, in January, I'm like, well, did that work? Did that get me anywhere? Okay, it did. Great. Now, what's the next, what's the next thing? What's the next step from here? And having that really helps with making decisions, first of all. So like, you know, I could do this, I could do that, I could do the other, I could do a million things. Every day, there's a million things I could do, maybe an infinity of things. But there's a, a very, very few, a very small handful of things probably, well, definitely speaking for myself, but in general, when you've got a clear goal, a clear strategy, um, there are a very small number of things that are likely to get you in the right direction, that are going to move you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there may be three or four things that are, are within your capability and stuff that you're willing to do that are going to produce that outcome or are likely to produce that outcome. And then everything else is like, well, I'm not going to do that. Like, just don't do that because it's not it's either counterproductive or not productive and okay wait 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 can we interject just for a moment which is you said that they're willing to do now these may be things that are outside your comfort zone but -hmm. you've committed to doing them right as you keep going i think that's going to make a difference yeah that is true the way i meant it was there's certain there's sometimes things that you uh, for you're just not going to do that like like right. it's just outside of your value system that yeah. there are certain things that could produce the result that you're just not going to do. But yes, almost certainly the things that you are willing to do will be outside of your comfort zone for sure. Because they're new, almost by definition, they're new because you've right. got a new strategy. So um, yeah. And then the other thing that happens is if you are creating leverage, which I think is a, a theme here, we're trying to create more productivity, more output with less input and not, not just busy for busy sake. If you are creating leverage, if it's working and you're, you're increasing your productivity, you're going to have more free time. So mm-hmm. having a strategy and an outcome in mind for, you know, maybe on a year, two or three year scale, it helps you figure out like, okay, what can I do with my free time, if anything, to accelerate my progress here? Mm-hmm. Instead of just reacting to this, the, the stimulus that you just come across, like the, you know, rabbit hole of how do I make my SEO better? It's like, well, wait a second. How's SEO going to help? You know, it's like SEO is one of those things where everyone's like, oh, better SEO is always better. It's like, okay, that's true, but it's not free. So is it worth the investment to like either learn it or pay someone to do it or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, all right. So just kind of like wrap up my rambling, having that clear objective and a strategy, if it's, you know, it's working, once it's working, it will create free time. And then you're like, okay, what do I do with this free time? It's like, well, maybe you're going to work on your business and you're going to find more things that you can do that are going to accelerate this progress versus uh, filling the void with uh, like silly email threads with your clients or like, you know, some kind of like client mm-hmm. stuff that doesn't need to be done or. Or too deep into social media. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's really what we're talking about is that you're doing when you 
unaddict yourself to busyness, you will start seeing things that you didn't see before. So when you're focusing on that goal with a particular strategy and a series of tactics, things will become clear to you, certain things. And there will be, as as it works and you have more time, you'll say, oh, I guess I don't really need to spend time on, let's say, SEO, or I don't need to spend as much time on social media, or I don't need to spend any time on Facebook. And what what will happen is your actual non-busy real work will show you where you need to invest in your business. Maybe it's that you need a new product. Maybe it's that you need a new service. Maybe it's you know, you're know you expanding something uh, for a particular client that has the ability to be a game changer beyond that client, a book. Yeah, totally. Right, it kind of, it, as you were saying that, it kind of reminds me of meditating, where the, the free time gives you space to have bigger and better ideas. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, that's a, that's a good analogy. Yeah, you can't if you're just if you're if your schedule is just cluttered, you just don't have time to think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the reasons I meditate every day. It's there's just something about that space, and in that space, I will think of things. Which I guess technically you're not supposed to while you're meditating, but it happens. <laughs> it happens for me, and then I will have an idea later on that uh, is related to what I was thinking about as I, as I started meditating. So it's, yeah, it's if your brain is never free, how are you going to move forward? How are you ever going to change what you're doing to get a different result? Yeah, it takes time. You need, you need to create that space to have those ideas that are going to get you to the next level. I mean, I was talking to someone recently who landed a bunch of, of projects, you know, sort of feast famine. He's in the, in the feast cycle and he doesn't have enough, he doesn't have enough developers to do it, you know, but he, mm-hmm. he wanted, you know, he's like, well, I, I, I need to take these. Uh, I haven't, I'm not getting as many leads as I'd like. So I want to capitalize on these opportunities. And, you know, he's working seven days a week. He's having meetings with people on the weekend. Ouch. Uh, and he's right. And, and he, he knows he needs to hire and he's, that's the plan. But he's so busy that he can barely find the time to hire or onboard someone. You know what I mean? It's like you're running so fast with your pants down that you can't bend over to pull them up. You just have to keep running faster. And it's it's a similar kind of thing with with these, you know, this sort of busy work stuff that's not doing anything for you. It's just filling up your schedule like a goldfish that that grows to fill the bowl. It doesn't matter what bowl you put it in. It's just going to grow bigger. And people have probably seen this, seen this with um, project estimates. I know this happens to software developers all the time. It doesn't matter how much time you give somebody to do something, they're working on it right up to the last minute. Oh, everything. That's not just software. That's every business I know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that was just us. No, no, because we, we have a deadline. We have a client deadline. And it just, there's an arc to a project. And for some reason, you know, the hump in the middle is never in the middle. It's towards the end. <laughs> yeah, we have a saying, 90% done, 90% to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, guess what? Move your deadlines closer. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. if that works for you, if a deadline works for you, it's like, give yourself less time to do something. You just be like, all right, this is good enough. Oh, there's another angle to it. Perfectionism. That yeah, feels a little bit you know, related. Yeah, because it's interesting when you said that because I, I do that. I give myself a tighter deadline because I will always use every available moment to make it better. 
And sometimes that's not the goal. Sometimes it's you got to ship it, as Seth would say. You've got to ship it as it is and then improve it once it's out there. So that's, that's a little trick I use on myself to get around any perfectionist tendencies that may be getting in the way. Yep. That's why my, my email list is an email list and not a blog. Because once you send it, too bad. Typos are permanent. Yeah, you done. Know, can't, can't mess with it. Uh, it's exactly exactly that. That's why I can get it down to like a, a really short amount of time every day because it's got to, first of all, there's a daily deadline. It's got to go. And I know it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be good enough to help the reader. That's mm-hmm. good enough is good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's adding, the goal. You're clear on the goal. It's I want the reader to be helped by this. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, you know, Ernest Hemingway of daily email list. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, flawless or like, you know, my seventh grade English teacher, Mrs. Nagel, give me a C because of grammar. It's like, that's fine. I'm not worried about that. Well, there was something I just read the other day that said they don't call it best selling writer, they call it best selling author. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really good. That is funny. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Let's see. Do you have classic? busy work that you fall into oh, or used to yeah I, not really I mean I I some it's more like in my personal life there are things that I you know I always I love to have a project but in terms of I don't think I do I'm just trying to think if there's anything that I do that falls into that category. Um, I mean, from time to time, I will decide that I need to be more present on a social media platform for a little while. And I do find it's easy to do that for a little while and then go, eh, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most of my most of my busyness is pretty f- focused on what I'm working on at the moment. Cool. How about you? Oh, that's good. Uh, I have uh, some classic ones that I used to do, but I learned not to do. For example, uh, responding to client emails instantaneously or, oh, or trying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. That's that is a bad habit. Yeah. It's something about email begets more email. <laughs> it's like if yeah. you slow the pace down, if you with email, if people are still doing a lot of client work uh, in email, your client almost certainly, unless they're a bad client, like I was talking about earlier, almost certainly is not expecting you to respond instantaneously to every message. Or, or maybe they are expecting it because you've trained them to, but they almost certainly don't need you to respond instantaneously to every email. Yes. So a great way to get yourself real busy real fast is to have what should have been a phone call over email um, or just what what didn't need a response at all or didn't need an instantaneous response a a shocking number of times will just fix itself somehow magically (laughs) especially when other people are copied on it yeah yeah so in in the software space a lot of time i can think of a million examples the website's broken and then like five minutes later oh wait a second (laughs) five minutes later Turns out my internet was off, you know, five minutes later. Oh, oh, it's back. Don't worry about it. You know, and if I had engaged with that, I would have started debugging it and been like, what's the, you know, I'm exaggerating with the the bug, but it's the same kind of thing. People are like maybe just confused or there's a new interface or something moved around and whatever the case may be. Uh, They just forgot. Um, And, or it's a network thing. That's common. 
where these sort of like phantom bugs or phantom issues. And if you just do nothing, it fixes itself. And if you didn't do nothing, then you would have you would have had a you know you would have lost an hour on absolutely nothing, just thrown away an hour. And, and course, you're training your client every time they have a little thing to contact you, and maybe that's not your business model, right? You only want them to come to you for the big stuff, right? And obviously, if you have some kind of a support contract in place for the client, and your response, yeah. you know, it, that's one thing. But yeah. but you do not need to respond to clients instantaneously. I mean, even before I switched all my client communications out of email into Basecamp and then ultimately into Slack, I still would batch my email. I I wouldn't check it constantly. I mean, I don't know how anybody works with their email notifications turned on. I I did for the longest time, I have to tell you. That's why when you said that, I was like, because I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. And it makes a world of difference. And it really, really oh, changed, yeah. changed my life, you know. But yeah, it's. I think what happens is when you're doing uh, even strategy work where there's an element of execution, it's you feel like there's this mindset that, well, I need to be available. And in my case, it's I don't like things to accumulate. And so I would answer quickly. And then I realized I am causing the problem. It's right. not the client. It's me. Mm-hmm. I am doing this. And so, it, you know, again, everybody's different. For me, it just means I check it less often. I keep it closed. I open it a couple of times a day, see what's going on, and then I shut it off again. It's the, it's the That's how I keep my sanity. But I don't have that much client stuff going through email anymore. It's 95% of it is in Slack. Right. Yeah, that's a huge win if you can do that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Huge. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's another classic one. It's email related. Is that you? If you do have to go back to your in, if you're going to your inbox all the time, and it's true for it's still true for me today. And I barely, well, I say barely compared to normal person, I barely go in my email like like once a day, you know. And it's like okay, and I'll be like, oh, I've got to do something maybe send myself a password reset for my bank account or something. And then I go to get it in my inbox and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> uh, it's like social media. It just sucks me in. Cause there's all of this. Yeah. I mean, my inbox is pretty clean, but there'll be 50 emails in there. And I'm like, Oh yeah, there's that webinar about being a best selling author. And like, Oh yeah, there's this. And I'm just like, wait a minute, what did I even come in here for? I, how did mm-hmm. I get in here? And it's like, Oh right. I needed that password reset. Now it's expired. I have to do it again. And then it happens again. I'm like, Oh, so, oh, the new Seth Godin email is here. It's like, it's it's like a it's like quicksand. Well, and the other thing that can impact some people is whether or not you separate your business and personal. So I had a lot of my personal stuff coming through the business because you know I own the business. I don't care. And then I realized that I'd have to open my email on the weekends to get my personal stuff. And I'm like, no, I want to draw a boundary around that. So I just created another email box and gave that to, um, you know, friends and family so they can still, if they need to email me, usually it's text, but if they need to, there's a place. And I have a place for the things that I love that aren't related to my core business, like design and art and, you know, some new Chardonnay they came out with or some (laughs) new wine region in Spain. So it's, it's, it allows, in my case, it just allows me to separate in a much cleaner way and not be sucked into the business. Because just one email from a client over the weekend can take your mind out of, you know, your time off. Yeah, totally. 
Totally. So there is a, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense to talk about productivity tips here because that is what we're talking about. It's like, it's like, how do you get productive instead of busy? And, and email is a great one. There's like a, it's like a minefield of wasted productivity. So I can, I can think of some other things that I do. I, I do them consciously though. You know, these, even these days that are not productive or, or at least add are adding diminishing returns. Um, there's, there are points in the day when I'm just fried, you know, a lot of times it'll be after, if I have a day where I have like three coaching calls, I'm toast after that. And, and I'll be like, oh, I still have to write my daily email, but I just can't, my brain is dead. I, I, it's like my creative juices are tapped out and I'll, I'll, I'll find something to do. That's probably not that productive. And it's usually, uh, I'll check. I'll check some Slack rooms that I'm in, but I only go in, you know, a couple times uh, a month or a week, maybe, you know, I, I'm infrequently in there, but I like the people and there's usually like a, it's, it's kind of like, it's almost like I just, I got to socialize for like 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, or, yeah. um, another thing I'll do is I've been working on a, on a searchable knowledge base of the 50 billion words I've cranked out in the last five or 10 years. And I'll, I'll just like, code, which is, which is funny because I, you know, for years I, you know, I've been out of coding and, and I stopped coding for money years ago, but I do still like coding my own stuff where there's not a client involved. And somehow that's, um, it's, it's not that productive. You know, I'll, I'll make like, Oh, I'll just like, I'll like fuss around with the CSS a little bit to like change a color, you know, just like dumb stuff that, uh, it's not really producing any kind of valuable outcome for anyone, but you know, it's just, just a little polish, uh, kind of like polishing your car a little bit. It's like not really doing anything, but it's kind of fun to do. And you enjoy the, the yeah, you just feel it's just like, it's just like a gear shift when probably what I should do is just close my computer and go outside or something yeah. like, like a normal human would. <laughs> but since I am a vampire, as everyone knows, I don't yeah. like to go outside during the day. Well, you know, I think that if, um, if anyone who's, listening is wondering kind of what time of the day to do which things to be most productive I absolutely recommend the book when w-h-e-n by Dan Pink and I read it maybe it was two years ago and he has this concept that everybody falls into one of three styles and I, I can't remember them all it's there's a there's a night owl that they don't call a night owl and there's the early bird and there's something in the middle and I'm the early bird which basically means that you do detailed work for me very detailed work numbers uh, connecting dots in the morning and so I've now worked it out on what kinds of things I do in the morning and lunchtime is my demarcation the afternoon is all creative stuff and what's interesting is I used to get a little tired by like maybe four o'clock in the afternoon it never happens anymore because I don't do the things that make me tired in the afternoon the creative stuff energizes me Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then um, for client calls, I have a limit of, of three in a day of coaching calls. I won't do more than three because I, I can't, yeah. yeah, I can't be top at, at what I'm trying to do and listening and be fully present if there's more than three. It just mm. doesn't work. Somebody else can probably do that who's wired differently, but for me, it's three. So it's, you know, putting some of those limits on what you do in a day, I also think helps to improve productivity and, and outcomes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that that kind of reminded me of of how I'm always talking about creating frictionless processes, and uh, and because I was I'm the same way. At like three is my absolute maximum, uh, but I I bet you I could I I could make it less um, draining. Draining's not not a nice word to use. It's it just it takes a lot of energy, uh, but there there are some tasks that kind of circle around those calls for me, you know, like taking notes and then putting in my filing system, which is like a digital filing system. And there's these little things that I need to do. Uh, and I, I bet you I could make it easier on myself for, for days when I do have three stacked up, you know, because like there was a holiday or something um, that would make it, make it easier, make it easier to execute uh, by taking away a lot of the little decisions and the the things that I kind of wing every time, like I don't actually have a process for it. It would be it would be a short list of things uh-huh. uh, to put put on it, which is probably why I hadn't thought of it before. But something about the way you described that, I was like, you know, the kind of like post meeting, pre meeting, and post meeting activities. There are probably enough of them that I have to think, and I don't, and they're not things that are worth thinking about. It's like just come up with yeah. the best way and never think about it again. Well, it's like when I'm, whenever I have a, a client or a prospect call, I, I take notes the old-fashioned way. There's something for me about writing it out on paper. And what I could do, which I don't, is at the end of the call, I could digitize my notes. I just scan them and file them, but I don't. What I do instead, because if, if it's in the afternoon, if it's in the morning, I do that. But if it's in the afternoon, it's a more creative time. I just take the piece of paper, I put it in a, in a folder, and then I batch them. And I'll do, a, you know, when I have some morning where I'm, you know, I've got attention or because it's scanning and it's kind of mindless. Sometimes it would be in the afternoon if I if I'm like when you described how you felt after you had those three calls, <laughs> yeah. that might be something I would do because it's something it's it, I have to do it. It has to get done. And I want to do it when I don't have to use too much brain space. But it doesn't I don't want those activities to take away from my primo time for whatever I'm doing. Same way I don't want to do a big creative project at eight o'clock in the morning because I'm not, I I can get it outlined. Maybe I could outline it, but if I'm really going to use primarily creativity, it's not going to be best in the morning for me. Mm, Yeah. But the book, the book will, it walks you through how to figure out which one you are. And then he has this kind of formula. So it just, so happens because of how I'm wired that those times work for me. Now, you're probably wired as the opposite, right? Yeah, the night owl. Night owl for yeah. Sure. And so it, you flip those things. You know, your creative mm-hmm. time, you know, is, is probably, you know, in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, it is. Midnight to four. It, like the, but in the, in the morning, which for me is like 10 or 11, is that's when I, I would edit stuff. Like that's when my, mm. I'm like my analytical... Um, uh, sort of like detail or that's when I'm most detail oriented is like first thing like right after my coffee in the morning yeah yeah for sure yeah and by the way while we're on this topic just an aside but I just think it's so interesting he coined something called a nappuccino and if anybody's heard of this but his formula is you have lunch and you have a cup of something with caffeine, and you go take, I'm trying to remember how long the nap is. It's its not more than 20 minutes, and it might just be 10. And he, he did it as part of this research, and he claims it totally changed his life. Now, I, 
I have trouble taking, if I'm tired, I could do it. I have trouble taking a nap after lunch. Mm. But I have tried just sitting there in a comfy place with my eyes closed for 10 minutes. I, I don't go to sleep. But there is a, there's a rejuvenation of that. And, you know, that's, I, now that I think about it, that's when I didn't get tired anymore at four in the afternoon. <laughs> I switched my timing at all these things. So those Isn't two things may be related. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, definitely check the book out. Cool. So I, I don't know if we, we closed the loop on this or if we kind of glossed over it, but um, the, as you are eliminating busyness from your schedule and you've got these, these times that are opening up for you, a great thing to use to do in that time is to create, like I was talking about with uh, coaching calls, create like an SOP or some sort of process for, it's like a, a, it's simple little thing you can do to work on your business in this, in these like hours that start to open up in your schedule. Uh, maybe you'll take a nap. <laughs> I think. Or just close your eyes. You may not fall asleep like I do. Right. Right. Just chill, meditate, do something, yeah. take a walk, walk the dog, take a shower. It's, for me, that's the shower is the like meditation. That's the closest thing yeah. to meditation I do is like long shower, love long showers. And we're in um, drought in the West. No long showers here. Uh, sorry about that. It's okay. We have pools. You we have pools, pools for that. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, even just ta- even just taking an hour and saying like, well, what, what did I just do? What did I do right before this? And how did I do it? And then writing down the steps and then looking at the steps and saying, is this really the most efficient order to, to do these? I mean, I've, it, it's it, once a year in January, I run this 10 day system challenge with people. And the first thing we do is take an inventory of your day, like literally, mm-hmm. literally writing down in five minute increments what you're doing. And it sounds impossible. It's actually not impossible. It's, it's kind of funny, actually. And even though I've done it, you know, three or four times, I still will either fall back into bad habits or create new, you know, I say bad, like less than ideal um, uh, processes that I just that, that aren't like written down, just like my morning routine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Something as simple as, as like in the morning, I take a vitamin D pill every morning and make my coffee. And I have like this, this bunch of things I do, but I never do them in the same order. And I'm positive that they're not the most efficient order. And I'm not saying it needs to be, you know, I'm not saying it needs to be efficient, but there are probably things that you do in your, your business every day, dear listener, that you kind of just, you know, you got to do these six things and you kind of just do them in whatever random way hits you that day or like depending on which browser tab was open you might do them in a different order whatever Uh, so as time opens up in your schedule if you create little systems for the the smallest little things like triaging your inbox or Mm -hmm. recording a podcast or whatever whatever it is uh, stuff that you do a lot at least weekly but the daily ones are just amazing if you can if you can come up with a little process and that's just the way you triage in your inbox. Like at 12, I will go through, I'll zoom down it, learn the keyboard commands. I'll do it without the mouse and just fly through it and, and you know, follow a, either inbox zero or getting things done procedure, whatever, pick whatever one you want. And, and that's the process. And if you do that, you, that like hour that you spent setting that up will save you hours and hours and hours, uh, you know, infinitely into the future. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing if you're so I'm kind of looping back to the beginning when we were talking about being addicted to being busy and it's like, yeah, but what do I do 
you know, I, it's like, okay, this time's opening up my schedule. How do I prevent the reactive kind of busy work from rushing in to fill that vacuum? And it's like, well, here's something you could do. Create a little process for something, you know, something that you did Mm -hmm. earlier in the day, just come up with a process. Maybe, maybe the first thing you do is you decide where you're going to keep your SOPs. Mine are in a folder right on my desktop. So I've got a, a, a little folder just as SOPs and inside is a bunch of text documents, maybe maybe 15 or 20 text documents that just have these checklists in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would be a very productive way to spend your time. You know, oh, if yeah. You, yeah. We, we just, Jonathan and I just went through this, what, a month ago when we switched up the procedures for TBOA, the, the back of the back of the house procedures. Mm-hmm. And how much time did we save? I know I saved at least a half an hour loads like we're 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 uh, almost every week we've got the podcast up like five days early you know (laughs) which is you know compared to like whoops i forgot to do the podcast (laughs) like you know friday like kathy um emailed and (laughs) Uh, where's the edit jonathan (laughs) rochelle politely reminding me (laughs) this is way better but it, it isn't it isn't even just that i mean for me it was the the elimination of the stress of worrying on a Friday if it was going to be ready for Monday. But um, it was finding that extra half hour when we switched up the the production, the back end mm-hmm. production of it. Just, I mean, I, that was a gift, pure gift. Right. It's free time. It's like yeah. free time, right? It's like it took way longer before. We both had a longer checklist. And now just we added in some software, some tooling and collapsed it quite a bit like probably by half mm-hmm. love it now <laughs> <laughs> cool all right we're probably beating a dead horse at this point but uh if if nothing else hopefully dear listener you will notice the difference between busyness and productivity and you can start to ask yourself well it, you know if once you start to notice it if you find that you can't eliminate the busyness, then you have to ask yourself, well, maybe I'm, well, what's going on here? Am I hooked on this? Is it some kind of worldview? Is it my identity? Is it work ethic or something? Like, do I, do I believe deep down that if I'm not toiling all, at all times, then I'm a bad person? You know, that, th- these are, that's a problem. Like that, you, the idea, the idea is you want to create more and more and more leverage things are supposed to get easier. Well, and I think the other thing to think about is if you start to recognize that maybe there's a little addiction going on with your busyness is before you start to do something else to shift gears, just stop and breathe for a moment Hmm. and just say, is this the best thing for me to be doing next? And it, it takes 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and then you might make a different decision. It's just Hmm. being aware is, is more than half the battle here. Hmm. Yeah. Also, get out of your email. Get out of your email. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm like, no, I'm not doing any of that stuff. <laughs> like that was that was me in glaring neon. Yeah. But not anymore. Not anymore. All right, great. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.